0: I am Brother Cornel West, and this is Hip Hop
1: Can
0: Save America. Peace and love, everybody. It's your man, Manny Faces. Just wanted to let you know that Hip Hop Can Save America is now available as a live stream show every Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. You can find it at hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Excerpts from that show will be played here on the audio feed, so you'll still get the good interviews that you've been used to. But check out the live stream and check out my free Substack newsletter at mannyfaces.substack.com that's filled with all kinds of stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and generally hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. For everything hip-hop can save America, hip For everything Manny Faces, mannyfaces.com. And if you find value in this work, you can support it. We'd love to have you aboard as a supporter at patreon.com mannyfaces. Now let's go. The thing about hip-hop today is it's smart, it's insightful. The the way that they can communicate uh, a
1: complex message in a very short space is is remarkable. And a lot of these kids, they're not going to be reading the New York Times. That's not how they're getting their information to you and speak the truth, show what peace can do in their ways for you, but hip-hop will flock to shop the nation, rap is something you do, hip-hop is something you live, so hip-hop didn't invent anything, but hip-hop reinvented
0: everything. Peace and love everyone, my name is Manny Faces, for 10 years I covered hip-hop music and culture in and around New York City as an independent journalist and content creator, what I found was a thriving, bubbling, evolving, artistic and cultural ecosystem that most of the media, hip-hop or otherwise, was ignoring. Among the assortment of pioneers and New Jack artists, venerable hip-hop institutions and event series, and activity all along the spectrum of hip-hop's elements, I began to find people in organizations that were using hip-hop in non-traditional ways, in education, and schools, in youth outreach and counseling, in theater and tech, in politics and activism, Again, often terribly underreported, even by so-called hip-hop media. What I began to see was that, more than just using music to relate to young people, hip-hop was being used to open doors to many who have had their ideas overlooked, dismissed, or disregarded. Hip-hop is helping tap into these brilliant people and their brilliant ideas, many of which have the potential to benefit society in valuable ways. Looking at the state of our union, I believe we need all the help we can get. I believe that hip-hop can save America. To help prove it, I started this podcast. So thank you for joining me as I talk to the movers and shakers who are responsibly using hip-hop music and culture to address, adjust, and in some cases, alleviate problems that are facing our country. Hip-Hop Can Save America is a presentation of the Center for Hip-Hop Advocacy at hiphopadvocacy.org, a nonprofit dedicated to increasing public understanding of hip-hop culture. We're also brought to you by the award-winning Newsbeat Podcast, It's hard-hitting journalism, including interviews with thought leaders and activists about the most pressing social justice issues of our time. And it also incorporates hip-hop, with music and original lyrical contributions every episode. Think of it as Democracy Now and Black Thought Had a Podcast Baby. You can find Newsbeat by Maury Creative Studios wherever you get your podcasts or on the web at usnewsbeat.com. Hip-Hop Can Save America airs weekly, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on Bonfire Open Source Radio. With amazing programming like their flagship morning show TK in the AM, Bonfire Open Source Radio is leading community radio into the future. Check them out at bonfireradio.com or on the TuneIn app. We're also available on most podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. This episode, we're taking a look at hip-hop and school counseling. Those who may be less familiar with the depth and nuances of hip-hop music and culture might think that these two worlds are incompatible. How could a genre with music that revolves around materialism, misogyny, partying, drug use, and violence possibly be beneficial in a school setting, much less one that's supposed to help students in their time of emotional distress? Well, that's not all that hip hop's about. And the 2016 New York State School Counselor of the Year agrees. He has the receipts to show for it. Dr. Ian Levy brought together these worlds as a counselor at New Visions Charter High School for Advanced Math and Science in the Bronx. As of our talk, he was lecturing at the University of Massachusetts, Boston, and has since taken a position back in the BX as assistant professor of school counseling at Manhattan College. Levy, who's been recognized for piloting the development, implementation, and evaluation of a hip-hop-based counseling framework in urban schools, examines mental health practices in those schools, interrogating the role of the school counselor and other school staff to ensure the emotional lives of young people are adequately addressed. His work's been featured on CNN and The New York Times, But most important, he's used hip-hop to help kids. Lots of them. So if your idea of hip-hop starts and stops at radio rap, I encourage you to check out my talk with Dr. Levy and all the episodes of this podcast as I explore the people and organizations who are using hip-hop music, culture, and spirit in innovative, inspiring, and often surprising ways. Let's keep it going. Here's my talk with Dr. Ian Levy. Thanks again for uh, spending some time with me uh, today. As many of us do when it comes to yeah. education and uh, the counseling, uh, the various things that you do, how do you currently kind of define
1: who you are from a professional standpoint? So, right now I consider myself a counselor educator. So, I've taken this um, plunge into this new role where I've shifted from being a direct practitioner of counseling services. I worked for Upwards of five years um, in New York City schools as a school counselor. And now um, I I work in the business of training school counselors to go into schools and deploy culturally relevant counseling services and and, and learn how to advocate for both themselves and students uh, in schools. Right. I think the culturally relevant
0: is, is such a, an interesting angle. Uh, obviously, as we talk about hip hop and education and, and bringing cultural relevance into the into schools and counseling environments, that's obviously the focus uh, of what I, I'm trying to learn a little bit more about and help people learn more about. H- how do you describe the, the state of this field, this counseling? What are you trying to get across as you... Begin this journey of instructing other counselors and other people in this in this field. What are some of the key takeaways or, or bullet points that you're really focused on?
1: Totally. So it's multifaceted. Um, for the role specifically, the, our role as school counselors has developed um, significantly over time, originating from a place of really being. Um, a person in the school helps students make sure academically they're on point and focused on what they need to be focused on. And then over time, we've learned the importance of addressing socio-emotional students learning as well. And now our field exists in this place where we're ideally supposed to be able to address the personal social, the academic and the career interests and and points of development for young people in schools. Um, so this, this multifaceted role of the school counselor is really what I'm trying to push forward to my students as they enter schools who will most definitely have very different understandings of what their role is. So because our profession has like literally transformed over the last like 60 years dramatically, a lot of schools don't know the di- you know what a school counselor is and so our roles will be differently defined depending on what district you're in what city you're in what school you're in um and it, it's really vastly different and so being prepared to advocate for your role is, is a huge component of, wh- of what it means to be a school counselor in today's world and ultimately because if we're not able to advocate for our role then we're never going to be able to provide adequate services you know, we might be we might be viewed as like bureaucratic pawns who are just filling out paperwork and getting stuff done and not supposed to be like running, you know, groups, group counseling services, with young people or engaging in, in, in like in-depth individual counseling services, with young people, um, if that's what we need to do in our school. You know what I mean? So it really is important that school counselors are able to. Individually define their work and advocate for their work in schools, which will not, when they enter them, understand what they're supposed to actually be doing.
0: Interesting. From from a you know a layman terms, I you know I'm I'm not a counselor, I'm not a, a social worker, I'm not into this field, but mm-hmm. doesn't that make sense? Like, isn't that the way it should be, where you're being very specific towards the environment or the the students, how they see the world, and how you're trying to put
1: that focus on how you counsel them and how you deal with them doesn't Mm -hmm. i mean isn't that yeah so from a counseling standpoint absolutely right so like in sessions and in groups i'm always going to make sure which is why hip-hop is so beautiful make sure that i can use different approaches to counseling that allow uh young people to lead that process and for us to adapt our work to respond directly to the lives of young people that unfortunately is different than th- th- this fact that like if I go into a school to be a school counselor, like, there are folks that are going in and are ready and prepared and have the skills to do excellent, really hands-on counseling work, right? And so what I mean by that is like individual counseling, group counseling work, but their school might say, okay, well, in our school, school counselors don't do that. In our school, school counselors have to you know, help us with getting like tests ready and and administrating, you know, administrating tests in the school. We need you to manage really like big pieces of data and look at like grade point averages for your cohort and be able to report that out to other people in the school. So they might, which may, it should be like in some way part of our role, right? Like, but, but not all of it. And, and oftentimes because our roles aren't understood, even if we have these great tools, we're not able to use them. And so that's, that's what I mean, I guess, by the, uh, the, this need to be able to advocate for your role the way that you see it. And of course, in sessions, yes, we want to be able to utilize counseling modalities that are youth-driven and go where young people need to go and can be adapted and tailored to the specific needs of the young people we're working with. But we face beyond that this larger sort of systemic concern around what our role is um, in schools.
0: Interesting. Got it. Got it. So let's talk about hip-hop in your field or how you've incorporated uh, hip-hop into your work. Just give a 50,000 foot you know view of how you've been incorporating hip hop how hip hop has been uh, one of the methods that you've been using with success
1: totally so for me hip hop has been a platform through which i've delivered counseling like direct individual or group counseling services to young people in schools so i've taken this idea of lyric writing and performing and look at those as like naturally cathartic processes for any artist right like it's a space for folks to condense thoughts and feelings and relay them um, to an audience and oftentimes we use that process to talk about thoughts and feelings that we've never talked about before and so because it's I had seen that you know in personal experiences in MC but also just like from interacting with friends who are MCs that hip-hop culture allowed people to open up in ways that they would not in other settings um, that it was the sort of perfect uh, medium to bring into counseling services in schools, and so for me, I worked hard to develop a a studio space in the school. So my my actual counseling office um, for the latter three years, it took a while to, to really get it going and have it like fully fleshed out. But for the past three years of my work prior to now, you know, transitioning into EMS Boston, I was working at a at a school at a charter school in the South Bronx, and I had a Full recording studio in my office, and I worked with students to create emotionally themed mixtapes every year, at least one, sometimes more, um, where we would have group counseling processes that each topic that we would discuss in a group counseling session, if it was self doubt, or if it was police brutality, or if it was fear or stress, you know, any of those themes could be discussed because the young people knew that once they discussed them, they'd be able to write lyrics record songs, perform songs, put songs online that sort of were about those emotional concerns. So it allowed me this pathway into their worlds and allowed me to help them sort through these thoughts and feelings. And oftentimes in writing, when you write a song, you want it to be really concise. You want it to, you want your concept to be on point. You want the audience to understand what you're talking about, which means that you can't write a really good song about fear unless you really understand what fear means to you, right? And so that then allowed me this perfect platform to really say, well, what, you know, where does this fear come from for you, right? To engage in that almost like traditional talk therapy that you would engage in, right? But for the sole purpose of then just helping them craft better lyrics, right? Um, Better bars that could engage an audience. And then working on performances and how do you move on a stage um, in a way that represents the content of your song. If you're talking about fear in a verse or you're talking about perseverance in a verse, like how how does your performance look different? How do your vocal inflections sound different to really relay those messages? On the surface, helping young people just like make fire tracks, but like at this deeper level, right? At this deeper level, helping them refine their own understanding of their emotional experiences, their ability to communicate their um, these these emotional experiences to the world in ways that they might not have been comfortable doing prior.
0: Right. And I think that when we talk about hip hop being used in these set, in, in these settings, to those who are relatively unfamiliar or haven't seen this in practice or, or hadn't really thought much of it. I think there's that perception of what rap is, mm-hmm. what rap music is to the general public. And, and very often when you say the words hip hop and you merge it with education, they often think that it's um, not compatible. Right. How surprised were you, maybe, when you first started maybe experimenting with this? Uh, or actually, what was it like when you first started doing this to see how students were able to take this medium that they're familiar with in the entertainment world and use it in this way?
1: Yeah, I don't even I don't even know if surprised is is what I would say because for me it was like this is what like a cipher looked like like right. you know legendary ciphers right so legendary cipher sure. massive amazing cipher Union Square Park right. I'm there at Legendary Ciphers. I hear one person randomly in a cipher start, you know, spitting a bar about um, issues with his father. And immediately, this like almost like domino effect, this like cascade of Mm. bars follow from other participants about issues with their family instantaneously. So it's mm. like, this is something that's happening already. And organically. And organically. And it's what hip hop is about. Like hip hop literally was created to push back against larger systemic issues and forms of oppression. And it was about people putting tensions aside and coming together to talk and build, right? And push back against stressors and struggles in their lives, right? Um, and so naturally, I've made this argument, um, as have others in, in the field of hip hop therapy, that... Hip-hop in and of itself is cathartic, we could say. Um, Now, when we transfer this cathartic process to a traditional, I guess, um, counseling space, I can start now like building on that natural natural catharsis. Like if I say write a song about stress, young people already are down to do that because they might A, have already done that or B, like that, of course, like sure. Like I can find Jay-Z songs where he writes about stress. So like, it's not uncommon to address emotional concerns in hip hop. That's a very like normal thing to do culturally. Um, but now because that's happening, like I said before, we as counselors are able to like then build skills on top of that. So I'm then allowed to say, like, oh, okay, cool. Like this bar, you're talking about, you know, a struggle with your father. Like, what is, what is that? Like, what are those struggles? I can then engage in more direct conversations with the individual as they're emoting through this natural sort of community defined catharsis through this songwriting process, right? I can build on top of that, build skills on top of that. So I, I wouldn't say surprised. I was, um, The things that surprised me, I think were not necessarily like their willingness to engage in the work, but how the work naturally developed in our schools. So like one of the things we talk about as in in the field of mental health generally is working with young people, particularly young people of color in developing help seeking behavior. So if something is going on for me, like knowing who I can go to, to talk about that thing, And there's a lot of reasons like stigmas, why that doesn't happen, the fear of being perceived as weak or vulnerable is a reason why you know folks are not willing to just open up to other people but this process or this space within the school the studio quickly became known naturally in the school community as the place to go to talk about things um without me even having to push that and so i'll share a quick little like story if that's cool where i had been running my program for a year okay and and it went really well and my students put out this really really dope mixtape called the hoodies up mixtape which sort of homage to Trayvon Martin. But then it was also the year that we had lost Eric Garner and Mike Brown. And because the media was like really flooded with these images, naturally the group sessions that we were running were focused on that. And so we wrote a lot of songs that were centered around social justice issues concerning police brutality. And they called the, the album Hoodies Up. And it was awesome. And so I had this really, really great process with this group of young men and women in my first year at this school. The summer came, the next year started. It was the first week of school. I worked with ninth graders. So I had 150 new ninth graders and I didn't know all of them yet. And it was literally the first week of school. And this one student comes up to me and he's like, you know, I heard that. I could come like record a song with you. And like this, we're in the hallway. He's like, my cousin just passed away and I want to work on a track with you about it. I don't know who this kid is. It's the ninth grade. It's the first week of school, right? So I was like, yes, please come, like come to me at lunch. So he came to me at lunch and I was like, how did you find out about the space? And he was like, oh, and he shouted out one of my students, AJ from the year before. He's like, oh, AJ told me. So he had been like somewhere at lunch or somewhere in the school and had been talking to another student in the school who said, Oh, you're going through something like go to the studio. Right? So there was this natural, like, I'm not even pushing this at this point, right? It's become entrenched in the community where now this is the place to go. And we have now at that point, AJ was a 10th grader. We have 10th graders modeling being the model for help seeking behavior, right? Like, Oh, let me talk to AJ about what I should do about this emotional struggle. Um, because he has been able to deal with that, right? And because AJ, this is a new ninth grader, it's the first week, but he knows that this album came out the year before because the kids have it online and it's like the talk around school. And they know that the focus of the album is this emotional stuff. And so it becomes natural. It just became this like built in part of the the experience. And so in the school for students. And so this student came, we wrote this awesome track. Um, He had lost a cousin of his whose name was Nana. and so. He chose Kanye's uh, Hey Mama beat, and he wrote a song called Hey Nana, and it was super dope and really, really tough for him, but really amazing. And he wound up asking me if his sister could come after school. His sister was older and went to a different school, if she could come after school and record the hook like on the verse. And so him and I wrote this track. His sister pulled up after school, recorded the hook, and they played the song at the memorial service that weekend he came back and like told me all about it. And then like his family knew, his family had heard the song and it was just like this moment where like, all I did was create a space, you know what I mean? And the students, because they knew that they could make it their own, the students took it where it needed to be taken and they used it how it needed to be used in their lives. And it wasn't me doing anything there other than being available. And there's so many other moments like that and so I think if there's any surprise, it's not about the effectiveness of it, but it's about what this can morph into and how this can really shift school culture and change um, change the way that young people a interact with schooling, period. But b interact with like difficult emotions and like aren't scared to address them and are are actively seeking pathways to talk through difficult thoughts and feelings.
0: And and the fact that you know a student is talking to another student about this that. That may have never happened before they, you know, you know right. to, to even go to another student sort of as a, as a mentor or somebody who is familiar with your program, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great side effect as well because yeah. now you have, you know, interpersonal relationships being built as well.
1: Yeah. And not even a thing, like, again, like, it wasn't like I, I said yeah. to my my students, go find – so I, I didn't think <laughs> right. it would be this much. But what I did say, actually, now that we're thinking about this, which is amazing, was, you know, XXL has the freshman class – every sure. year so and we can feel however we feel about the current freshman classes and all this stuff but aside from the fact there's a freshman class of folks every year so I took this idea of like yo you guys are the 10th graders you have literal freshmen coming in the school I need you to find me the freshman class for the club this year and so there was that what I meant by that was like find out who can spit or is interested in spitting and bring them to me you know like right, that was kind right. of what i meant but they found it anyway and so i think because they were given this responsibility of okay you got to find like the next the next crew you guys were the inaugural group and like you need to find who the next group is right because the focus of the work was naturally emotional they they, they also found students who were dealing with significant emotional concerns beyond just if somebody could spit or not which is Awesome. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And what I love about this sort of a side note, but what you're doing is great for obviously the students and the, and the counseling setting and, and all of this. But it's also good for hip hop, yeah. you know, because it's letting young people know that, hey, listen, there's the party, there's the radio songs, there's the entertainment value. But this thing of ours, this thing of yours can still be used, this you know, it, this way. Yeah. And I, so I think that even in a little just a little bit at a time, <laughs> every bit yeah. of that helps. So your school might have been, you know, very open to it, uh, but I'm sure you might have had some hurdles along the way, either there or with other incorporations of hip hop and education. Maybe you've heard from peers and, and colleagues. What are some of the, you know, hindrances to incorporating hip hop into, into these fields? Like, you know, I know there's institutional stuff, there's people that don't get it, sometimes administrations, generally speaking, what do you think are some of the problems with being able to start these programs and keep these programs going?
1: Yeah. So for me, one of the, the big um, concerns that I ran into initially, because I said like I had this studio kind of up and running like fully in the last three years. But I did this work for almost, you know, almost five, really six before I was even full time working in the school. When I first started doing this work, I did an after school program at the Evander campus in, on Gun Hill Road. And I would pull up to this school and bring my studio equipment with me. Um, like I had like a portable mic and like, a I was on the subway with like a mic stand and I had like a laptop in my, in my backpack. And I ran this, like the only time that this principal was trying to give me was after school, mm-hmm. which is a normal, like if you're bringing something innovative, they're like, cool, great. You can do it during lunch or after school, which is like, who wants to like, what student wants to sacrifice their lunch block and what student wants to stay after school. Right. Like, right. like these are not right. ideal times <laughs> at all to run something. And so I that's what happened initially. So I was doing this after school program only. Then when I got to these other spaces full time, it was still only after school, right? That was it. Like that was it. And I remember one time before in, in an older school, so before the, 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 the school that I was at in South Bronx, set a school in Brooklyn, and um, I did a hip hop lesson one day that was so amazing. Like it was so good and the class was like bouncing off the walls like we were loud but not loud in the distracting kind of a way but loud in like a just super engaged like hip-hop kind of way and i came (laughs) out of the class and my administrator was like that was really loud you guys need to like be quiet you need to like calm it down next time and almost had like assumed that it didn't go well just based on volume so there's always like a lack of understanding also of like what expression looks like through hip-hop and and how it can be perceived as like oh these these individuals are engaging in hip-hop like that's dangerous or that's loud or that's like disorderly or you know so there's all, a lot of these negative um connotations that go that go with understandings of hip-hop particularly from folks who are not part of hip-hop culture and that is a hindrance as well then when i finally got to my my you know previous school in the bronx i ran after school but it got so popular after school that we would stay from after school started around like 4 30 and it could have run until six and they literally would have to kick us out of the building at six like they were trying to close the building and we were all still there and i'm talking like 20 kids deep like till 6 p.m and We're hanging out and it was like, it was so popular and so powerful that I eventually was able to, this is why I say school counselors have to be able to advocate for their roles, say to my principal, listen, I have this interest. I need this during the day. And I figured out how to finagle it based on my experience with music and the fact that I was in a charter school to actually start a a music elective class. So I had a scheduled class called Hip Hop Lyricism, which was on student schedules for the next two years. And they were able to literally enroll in these classes. And so I had a block period during the day where I could do this work. But it, I did, was not able to do that until I sort of like proved its worth through, these, through using these other spaces like lunch and after school. And even still during that process, there were so many moments where like, I think one of the challenging things about uh, this work that I realized through doing this work is that like schools generally speaking urban schools in particular are like radically uncomfortable places for young people because they're not designed to meet them where they are generally speaking and so you have young people walking into schools and they don't feel like they belong They might be forced to walk through like metal detectors when they walk into the school. So they might be feeling like they're labeled as like threats or criminals. Like there's a bunch of different thoughts and feelings that are negative that go through an individual's head when they're walking into a school that doesn't understand them or appreciate them or value them or honor them. When you create a space like a really awesome hip hop studio and a counselor's office, it flips that whole thing on its head. So we had students in the room, in my room, they were so connected to the work. They were so comfortable. They were so authentic. That when they left that room and had to go back to like a math class that didn't engage them in the same capacity, they were just not having it, right? So like they would start trying to flex in those spaces in the way they could in my room. And that was not going over well with with teachers. And then eventually words would start to get back to administration. And of course, when this is heard, admin has to step up and protect their teachers, you know, or or at least that's what they perceive they have to do. So they do that, and what that means is, okay, Mr. Levy, you know, really doing the work he's supposed to be doing with with students, he's just making hip-hop music, he's not teaching them how to really, like, work on behaviors and bring them to our classroom spaces, when the reality was, I was teaching them how to be themselves in school, but that is, there was still an area of growth for me there, which is that, whether it's code switching or, or what it is, but like, Okay, yes, you can be yourself in my room, but when you get to this other room, even if you can't be yourself, you need to figure out how to put on whatever face you have to put on just to get through it. Um, or we have to figure out what that looks like, right? Like, I mean, that's open to debate. I don't even like that approach of just settling and dealing. I'm not really even a huge advocate of that. But the fact is, is that was an area of growth and still is an area of growth for me as well. And something that I didn't expect, like, I was just like, I want to go into school and create amazing spaces for young people. But I didn't realize that when you do that, it shines a light even stronger on all the other spaces in school where they can't be themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. So like they were like so comfortable in my room that they were like, yo, school is BS. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, why can't it always be like this? Why does this why is there only one period where I can feel this way? Mm -hmm. You know, and and that was such an important moment. So
0: part of the challenge, I think, is is taking these ideas and, and not just having them applied in the counseling setting or in the you know behavioral work but because it, it, it can apply in other fields absolutely. it can apply in math and science yes. and as we know
1: you know right absolutely and then that's and that's what it is right like my mentor dr christopher emden's doing ridiculously awesome work in the world of science education using hip-hop and so like there are and that's what hip-hop ed as a as a group right and as an entity is focused on right it's really like bringing hip-hop culture into every aspect of schooling. And and that's like that's why the work is so important. From a school counseling standpoint, also like it, it makes me think of this sort of modern understanding of what a school counselor is supposed to be. We're supposed to be able to deliver school-wide interventions and collaborate with educators. And so there's work that I can in, in training my school counseling students to, if they're doing something effective, you know, collaborating with teachers to see how they can assist teachers maybe in implementing the different types of strategies in their classrooms that allow students to feel the same way they feel in these counseling spaces, And so there's ways that collaborative approach and that effort, but that has to be something that's championed by administration. And there generally has to be uh, a, a really, really strong understanding and appreciation for hip hop culture, for youth culture, which I would say is hip hop culture, right? And if you're not, if at the core of the school is not trying to do that, then you're consistently gonna run into barriers everywhere you are, right? And so um, school-wide approaches are key. And I, and I think that, that that is something that becomes really apparent you know, for anybody doing great work in an isolated classroom or counseling office, um, you start to see how students react to other aspects of schooling when you just have like this one dope space and it shows us that we need school-wide approaches yeah, well, I think every time you know
0: someone like yourself and obviously you talk about uh, Dr. Emden, Dr. Edgipon, mm-hmm. the fellows you, you know that I know that are doing this work, every time you guys show successes, I think it does certainly probably help the cause. Yeah. Uh, one question because I think that uh, a lot of people may find value in what you're doing in certain in certain communities and certain schools like you mentioned. How much do you think that this kind of mentality, this this hip hop incorporation, I know what I would say, but I want to hear from you, Mm -hmm. Uh, can affect, can help in communities that aren't typically associated with hip hop, that aren't typically inner city or urban or, you know, black and
1: brown. Uh, Is there a more universal potential for what you're working with? Absolutely. I think that if you don't come from hip hop, right, if you don't understand hip hop and, and you go and try to look up what hip hop is and you look on television and you look in certain spaces, you're only going to see a sliver of what hip hop is, right? You're only going to be able to gather typical perceptions of hip hop, right? The the guns, the violence, the drugs, right? Which are components of hip hop culture and that's fine, but it's not all of hip hop culture. And so I think what this work has the potential to do for non-hip hop spaces is to allow folks to, understand the complexities of hip hop culture at a deeper level and then subsequently understand the complexities of youth culture and urban communities um uh, you know at a deeper level and i think it really becomes like this work around helping folks cultivate an appreciation for and an empathetic understanding of like the different circumstances and situations that folks are in in this world and um their experiences i think hip-hop is like the best way to communicate experiences for anyone and so i think that you can engage in a lot of that work in in, in like traditionally like white or non-hip-hop schools i also think the last thing is that there's also potential vast potential for really really critical race related work using hip-hop as the medium as well um that I'm yet to dive into, but I'm in definite like planning stages and considering how to help like particularly white folks look at their white racial identities um, in some capacity related to hip hop or analyzing how they, what stereotypes they hold or, or prejudices they hold to other communities um, and using hip hop as like an anchor for that discussion.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that, that's a fascinating way to look at it as well. Plus the techniques of hip hop. I mean, first of all, you know white kids listen to rap they they (laughs) they rap they know how they know all the things uh and to to let them use you know the same songwriting techniques that you do i mean i think that's universal i think that can be applied everywhere yeah Um,
1: absolutely i think the content is different you know but and, and that's why i think like race becomes important because you can i've done it i've gone into i've gone into white schools predominantly white schools to engage in work like this. And you'll hear young people start talking about like, you know, all the things that you would, you know, that are stereotypical, like being on a block or like, you know, doing certain types of drugs or engaging in certain types of behaviors that you know, or have a pretty good feeling that they're not engaging in right um, but that then becomes a critical around like why do you feel like that's what you have to talk about and and what does that mean like you know so there's so many ways to 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 really engage the work, but that's why i think race and like understanding perceptions of other individuals in this world via hip-hop as that medium to understand those folks or different folks um i think is really important
0: i think that's one of the you know and one of the overarching themes that I'm trying to get at with obviously this, this podcast and some of the work that I do is try to amplify that mm-hmm. message. Uh, because we, I think we know that to, you know, to save America, to save our society, uh, what we do need is better understanding, empathy, perspectives, sharing those things. You know, I think that could just help generally. Mm-hmm. So I know that As you might agree, you know, hip-hop is a great vehicle for that across all demographics. Mm -hmm. So uh, I value that. I'm going to wrap up with you. I want to ask you one thing, sort of as a piggyback of that. You tweeted, uh, this was your tweet. You said, hip-hop is vibranium. Mm -hmm. You said, colonizers will try and steal it and create fake versions of innovative work in schools. We owe it to students to help them harness their brilliance and protect their hip-hopness as they grow. And, of course, this was part of the hashtag hip-hop ed conversation that happens uh, every Tuesday night on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Uh, So... When we talk about hip hop in education, when we talk about hip hop in you know fine arts, with the explosion of Hamilton, with all, all of the ways that hip hop is now becoming sort of maybe a, a buzzword for lack of a better term in in some of these non-traditional spaces, what's the concern there where we have this uh, that we continue to have sort of an authentic approach? to
1: merging hip-hop with education and counseling and some of these other fields? Well, the concern is that it's about youth experience, right? It's about the experience of urban communities. That's what hip-hop has always been. And every time it's been commercialized, right, whether it's the B-boy, whether it's the MC, you see folks starting to engage in it for money you see a lot of different you know sort of reasons that folks try to commercialize it but ultimately what you see is that we the work starts to move further away from um, being focused on the direct experiences and and real experiences of you know the the creators of of the work in this work of urban um, education and using hip-hop in educational spaces it's about students and their experiences and them being able to their experiences authentically and the more we try to concretize and create curriculum more. Um, just think it's cool to spit a rap real quick here and there as a teacher in a classroom. The further we get from understanding that this is a culture, this is a form of expression, this is a way that young people can show us how to like fix our schools, right? Young people can take this work in whatever direction they want to take this work. The fear is that we lose out on that sort of like organic process of hip hop to grow authentically if we try to like commercialize it. It's the same sort of commercialization process that we've seen happen historically. So hip hop education, in my opinion, right, and the opinions of others as well, is just another element in that. Right. It's just this new this new lane that is in this authentic place, but is also being threatened by inauthentic versions of it. And it's about helping young people harness the fact that like they are hip hop and what they have to say is valued and can, and is original. And um yeah, I mean we can't we we have to let this be a process that's guided by youth, and it has to 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 be authentic and rooted in their experiences. And I think that the more we commercialize it, the further we get away from that.
0: All right. Well, I think that the more we talk about not commercializing it, the, <laughs> the better we are at protecting against that from happening, because yeah. uh, we definitely don't want to see this happen, as we've seen in entertainment world and in other ways that you know hip hop has been, like you said, kind of snack flip, and rub down in in, yeah. in, the, in in ways that aren't always authentic to the culture. Uh, mm-hmm. But you, sir, do a great job at uh, advocating for that. Your colleagues, uh, people who have given you the chance to do this kind of work, shout out to everyone who's made your path possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I thank you again for sharing your perspectives with me in this format. Uh, it's great to talk to you. I've seen you, you know, talk and present a couple times, and and your, you know, your passion and drive is, is so apparent. I'm really, uh, really honored that you took the time to, to be one of the inaugural guests on this new endeavor. So, well, I really, so.
1: really, you know, appreciate that as well, and thank you. And and yes, definitely, huge shout out to like folks who have mentored me. So the Hip Hop Ed Camp, um, Dr. Chris Emden, um my, my my colleague, my, my Edmund Ajapong as well and um got him lined up too by the way he's gonna gonna holler too (laughs) okay dope. he's he's fantastic man yeah you gotta get him on here he's a beast so thank you so much for just like creating a space for us to talk critically about this work man it's really appreciated I appreciate your appreciation (laughs) all
0: right well listen have a have a good time up there in Boston
1: and uh well man good
0: luck with everything uh let me just say um you know once again thank you for your time and uh look forward to crossing paths again soon Hip-Hop Can Save America is a presentation of the Center for Hip-Hop Advocacy at hiphopadvocacy.org, a nonprofit dedicated to increasing public understanding of hip-hop culture. We're also brought to you by the Newsbeat Podcast, hard-hitting journalism including interviews with thought leaders and activists about the most pressing social justice issues of our time. It also incorporates hip-hop with music and original lyrical contributions every episode. Think of it as Democracy Now! and Black Thought had a podcast baby. Find Newsbeat by more creative studios wherever you get your podcasts, or on the web at usnewsbeat.com. Hip Hop Can Save America with Manny Faces airs weekly, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on Bonfire Open Source Radio. With amazing programming like their flagship morning show TK in the AM, Bonfire Open Source Radio is leading community radio into the future. Check them out at bonfireradio.com or on the TuneIn app. Hip Hop Can Save America is created and hosted by me, Manny Faces. I also produce the theme music. Special thanks to our associate producer, Summer McCoy. You can find out more about me at MannyFaces.com and find out more about Summer's hip-hop and tech-related initiative Hip-Hop Hacks at HipHopHacks.com. Thank you for listening. Once again, thanks for listening to another episode of Hip-Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's most important hip-hop podcast. My name is Manny Faces. You can find out more about the show at hiphopcansaveamerica.com. You can watch the show now as a live stream on YouTube, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Check back for all the replays as well. The interviews from the live stream will be brought here onto the audio feed, so you always get the best of the live stream. You can also check out our Substack newsletter. It's free at Mannyfaces.substack.com, Filled with stories of hip hop innovation, inspiration, and in general, hip hop news that isn't about dumb shit. <laughs> Eternal shouts to our consulting producer, Summer McCoy. Be sure to check out her dope initiatives, Hip Hop Hacks, and the Mixtape Museum. We'll be back soon with another dope episode, but check us out on the live stream as well. Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern, hiphopcassaveamerica.com slash watch. Until next time, it's Manny Faces wishing peace and love to you and yours.